discussion tonight since we are since we are a bit late so tonight we are continuing our series on postmodernism uh we shall be touching on consumerism uh, last week we touched on anti-intellectualism unfortunately most of you missed it but uh we really had uh, really we really had a good time now I just want to uh, maybe give a brief um, outline on how this uh, consumerism thing it, it is related to postmodernism. So in our introduction to postmodernism, we say that postmodernism is characterized by a rejection of grand truths, rejection of universal truths, rejection of objective truth. Um, it's distinguished um, from modernism, where modernism was was characterized with objectivity, postmodernism is characterized with subjectivity. So that rejection of truth, that reject, rejection of objective reality, um, leads to to people now are left without meaning because where you do not have objective reality, where you do not have objective truths, there is no longer ultimate truth, there is no longer ultimate reality. And what that basically leads to, it's a culture of people that have no values. It's called uh, nihilism. Uh, it's a culture of people that has no values. And this is what we see in our culture today. So this is what we see in our culture today. Um, this is what we see in our culture today. There is no ultimate meaning. Um, the millennials, uh, that is the generation from 1980 to uh, late 90s, I believe uh, most of us, we are... We are part of that uh, demographic. But the millennials, they are known as the, the lost generation. Uh, this is a generation that is said to, to have to be the, 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 the most uh, lost generation that has no purpose, that is wandered aimlessly without purpose, without values, without, without meaning. That is our generation. And uh, this is all because of these uh, postmodern, postmodern, uh, postmodern uh, realities, postmodern thinking. So basically, what happens is when you deny ultimate, uh, ultimate truth, when you deny objective reality, and people they are not, no longer left with values, things to live for, something to live for, people then find something to fill that emptiness because the human soul it, it is wired to to find meaning to find value to find purpose so they will, people now they want to replace that meaning that emptiness that is that has been left by this postmodern thinking and the way that they do that is through consumerism they do that through things through material things we live in a consumer culture. It's called a consumer culture, a culture that is uh, characterized of um, um, 
buying things, amassing things. Um, as a society, we don't simply consume to live. We live to consume. The, we have actually uh, tied our purpose and our existence and our meaning to consumption, to consumerism. There is a void that has been left and what our generation is doing, what our society is doing, it's using things to fill that gap, to fill that void. So our culture is obsessed with the newer things. You want, um, you want the, 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 the most stylish thing. You want the, the more, the better. Everyone is, cons is, is obsessed about amassing more and more and new things. You, you see how people are with, uh, with these gadgets, these iPhones. Uh, the moment that the latest gadget, the latest train comes on, uh, everyone wants to hope on to it. They want to get the new gadget. They want to get the new vehicle. We, that is the culture that we are living in. And we are, we are finding consumerism is basically uh, tying your value and identity into those things. That is the culture that we live in. And it has um, many effects on the church. It is affecting uh, us as Christians on many fronts. So uh, here is a st statistic. Uh, the amount Americans spend in a single weekend is more than half of the total they give to, to the church in an entire year. That just goes to show you the kind of, uh, the kind of culture we find ourselves in. And I just want to um, go into scripture just to see where this uh, comes from, where this originates from. Luke chapter number 4, verses 2 to 8. This is a narration of the, the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Luke chapter number 4, verses uh, <clears throat> 2 to 8. I'll start from this one. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was angry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Men shall not live on bread alone. Now verse 5. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him, in an instant, all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be all yours. So you see how the devil was tempting uh, the Son of Man. He was tempting Jesus with, with material things. Uh, he's, he's said to be the God of this age. Um, so... Uh, in our culture, he's tempting our culture, he's tempting people, he's tempting young people with the same kind of temptation. He's offering us the world. He wants us to, to live our lives in pursuit of these material things. So this is where it is coming from. Uh, the devil's strategies, they are the same. They, they, they really never change. It, it is the same promises that it gives, the same lie, lies that it gives. 
and we need to expose them. That's what we are doing with this uh, with this series. We are dis dismantling those ideologies which rise themselves above the knowledge of God. Uh, let's also go to Romans chapter number one, verse nineteen. Um, No, uh, let's let's read uh, this. This twenty-five actually. So uh, Romans chapter number one, um, from verse eighteen up until uh, the chapter finishes, uh, it will be it's an account of God's wrath against uh, sinful humanity, and. It goes to verse 25 where he says that they exchanged the truth of truth about God for a lie. He's talking about this is the condition of humankind, the natural state of humanity. We exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and saved, created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. So our consumer culture, this is his description. Instead of uh, worshipping God, even though we knew him as God, we did not worship him as God. We didn't give him the glory that was due him. But rather we exchanged the, we exchanged the truth of, about God for a lie and rather worship material things rather than the creator who created them. This is, this is what is prevalent in our culture. It is this idolatry where people are more uh, obsessed about material things, material about material material positions and this is all coming from as i said um postmodernism it denies ultimate reality so most postmodern thinkers they they deny that there is a life that is after this this it is very materialistic it's a materialistic way of thinking they deny that there is a life that is after after death they deny, it's called internalism, that there is an internal life beyond this. Mm. So this is where it, 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 it's coming from. And then um, Jeremiah chapter number 2, verse 18. Jeremiah chapter number 2, verse 18. Um, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. So this is the, this is the scene of uh, consumerism. It is, at its essence, it is idolatry. We are forsaking God the, the, the well of living water and trying to fill that void by things, trying to find satisfaction anywhere outside of God, outside of God. Uh, let me also quickly read uh, Agai chapter number one. Agai chapter number one.
verse 2. This is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say, the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. This is um, uh, the prophet Agai. He's talking about um, the Israelites after they had returned to Jerusalem from captivity in Babylon. And people were now called, they were now so focused about their own lives. They're now more focused about their material life that they almost ignored God. They almost ignored that there was a house of God that needed to be, to be built. They had ignored that, the, that there is a spiritual reality. They were now, now focused on the, on the now, on amassing wealth. On amassing wealth. And he goes on to say, Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give thoughtful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but never have your fuel. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages, only put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord God Almighty says. Give thoughtful thoughts, give careful thought to your ways. Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house. So um, Haggai is just exposing this uh, obsession that the Israelites at this time had with um, yeah, consumerism. They wanted to build houses for them. They wanted to build a, a world, a mass world for themselves while he's forgetting that they had a duty to worship God, to save God. And this is exactly what is happening in our culture. And what this scripture is exposing, it's really exposing uh, the lie of consumerism. Because consumerism, it, 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 it lies that uh, having these things, amassing this world, it will fulfill you, it will satisfy you. But you can never find satisfaction in these things. Um, um, Haggai was saying that um, you, you put on clothes, but you're never warm. You put money in pieces, but there are holes in it. So it is, it is all an irony that while is this consumerism, it promises people a happiness. It promises people safety, security. It promises people peace. People, they are not at peace. People are not at peace. So, and you also saw that uh, we're doing a Bible study in, uh, is it Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastes chapter number, chapter number two from one, verses one to 11 where the preacher, he was really exposing this, uh, this lie of uh, consumerism, where he goes on to say that I managed to amass wealth. I did everything. I drank every wine that I wanted, every woman that he wanted. He, this lie of consumerism that you need to amass, get more and more and more and more for you to be happy. He did all of that. And at the end of it, he went on to conclude that all his vanity was vanity. And this is what, where this will end. It will all end in that conclusion that it is vanity. So we need to expose it from, from that standpoint. So I'm going to 
I'm going to go ahead now and explain some of the outline some of the how they gone. Yes. So I'm going to outline now some of the um, yeah, some of the challenges uh, to Christians and the church that come from this consumerism, this consumer culture. And firstly, um, you see a decline in worship attendance. You see a de decline in church membership. Uh, you have with this uh, consumer culture, you have the commodification of commodification of church. Church is now a product. Um, John MacArthur says that too many people tend to be ecclesiastical consumers. They are only interested in what they can get out of their church. And they bounce from congregation to congregation as their interests change. They, they don't have any particular commitment to a specific assembly of saints. In fact, they have, no, they have little or no attachment to the church at all. If they make it, they make it. If not, it's not a big deal. So this is the, these are some of the effects of the, this consumer culture. People now see the church as a, as a product. It, it, it is supposed to meet, uh, it, it is supposed to fuel my satisfaction. They are no longer uh, worship, the idea of worship that people have is no longer God-centered. It is now self-centered. Mm. How does it please me? How does this product make me feel? And uh, frankly, this is one of the reasons why the prosperity gospel has become so, so popular. Because it appeals to the needs of people. It appeals to, to the thinking that is in our culture where people, they are so obsessed with things. And he promises people that when you come to Jesus, he will give you things. Uh, and then you also see even in terms of our uh, yeah, church structure, even in terms of church structure, um, so the senior pastor, uh, the senior pastor is now a, a CEO, uh, a chief executive officer, instead of, um, instead of shep shepherding uh, people, he's now managing people. And the, 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 the board of elders is now a board of director, directors. The, the, the church is now set up like, like a corporation. Mm -hmm. And you, you see that a lot in Africa uh, with this uh, men of God ph phenomenon, uh, how the, the, the men of God is revered to the point that uh, when he gets in, the man of God is not just supposed to walk on... Uh, on normal ground like everyone, they, 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 they do a red carpet for him. He now has securities, Amabera securities that will be watching over him when he's preaching. And this is all because of this uh, consumer culture. Uh, we now see church as a product. Mm. Even when we do evangelism, Evangelism is no longer a ministry. It's no longer the gospel, co the, 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 the Great Commission as we know it. Uh, it's now a marketing enterprise. <laughs> we are selling a product. Mm. We are selling a product. We are no longer preaching the gospel. Mm. 
We are no longer preaching the gospel. And this is all a, a, a result of, um, of this um, consumer culture. And you also see that even in the ex extravagance in the church, how people, they, they, they are so cons concerned with the aesthetics. They are so concerned with that. We have to have the largest auditorium. Uh, we have to have the, the, the biggest stages. Uh, we have to have the bigger bands. Because church is now a corporation. It's no longer a family of uh, justified sinners, of justified saints. Mm. Those are some of the, the consequences of consumer culture. Um, and yeah, you also see it, uh, it has resulted in pragmatism. It has resulted in pragmatism. Our pragmatism is a kind of thinking that is a, it is a results-focused perspective which overlooks meaning, which overlooks value. It is only concerned about the end. It is not concerned about the means to the end. And the, the, the church has been caught up in that. And that is, why, that is the, the reason why um, you see that there are a lot of uh, seeker-sensitive churches today. They are looking for ways for them to, to increase their audience, to increase their client base. So they will do anything to do that. If it means compromising core biblical truths, if, if it means uh, um, nuancing the gospel in some way in order to, to make people come to church, that is what the, 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 the church has become. Uh, there's a guy called uh, Rikwari, and he wrote a book called The Purpose Driven, the Purpose Driven Life. The, the Purpose Driven Life. It's a, in that book, he narrates how um, at some point they wanted to plant a church uh, in a certain area. So what they did before they planted the church, they did uh, uh, radio interviews, they did a survey to find out what the people in that area wanted, uh, what uh, radio stations they listened to, what music they listened to, uh, what style of fashion they had, just so that they could suit their church plant to suit the, 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 the people mm. in that environment. That's why you see this uh, whole new Calvinism um, thing that we have to be uh, we have to be deliberately worldly in order for us to, to be missional, mm. something like that. Exactly, cultural Christianity, that's why you see it. Gospel contextualization. <laughs> mm. You have to look like the world somehow. We have to compromise our style uh, so that we can engage. Uh, the church has become uh, pragmatic because we are selling a product. We are selling a product. And we have to uh, make it sellable as much as we can. Uh, that is where it's coming from. And pragmatism doesn't end uh, not only in the church, but... Um, yeah, pragmatism, it's, it affects a whole lot of other things. It affects the way that we, we do uh, business. It affects the, our work ethic. Even this uh, hustle culture that is uh, prevalent in our, in our day. I'm looking for... So, 
if you really look even at this uh, hustle culture, I'm, I'm talking about uh, the level to which it has been uh, idolized and uh, elevated in our culture, mm. where it has become toxic. Um, it is a results-focused perspective. It overlooks uh, uh, value. It overlooks meaning. Uh, people are concerned with just anything that will make me uh, get money. They don't. They, as long as it brings the bag, they don't care the ethical situation surrounding it. As long as I I get uh, money out of out of this thing, that is uh, pragmatism. It's fuel, fueling this uh, hustle culture. Uh, here is a quote. Um, I forgot the... Yeah, the guy is called uh, Maurice Brenham, Bremen, who wrote this, this book. Um, it says, one of America's worst crimes, according to cultural historian and social, social critic Maurice Bremen, is the cultivation of a culture of hustling. Hustling is the surrender of everything to market forces and the sacrifice of life to consumer culture. It is an energizing and enriching enterprise, but is ultimately empty, uh, depressing, and destructive. And I, I, I'm not just talking about uh, entrepreneurship. I, I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, this, uh, this culture that is prevalent in, in our day, where people are so concerned with just making it. I gotta make it, I gotta make it. Uh, and they, they overlook um, everything else. It doesn't matter uh, how they get to their goal, as long as I get to my goal. Uh, for, 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 for young ladies in the corporate world, they just want to get to the top. It doesn't matter that uh, they, have to, they have to sleep with their bosses in order for them to reach their dreams. They're hustling. Those are some of the, 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 the impacts of the consumer culture. You also see it uh, even in the corporate world in business. Uh, this, uh, yeah, this extreme marketing that you see. I don't know what the term is called, but uh, people they they are now taking it to extreme. Everyone is is is, is trying to sell. Um, uh, people in America they were complaining about how um, you know uh, during the Super Bowl they would bring in uh, the the JLOs and the perform uh, scantily dresses. And, and you know, any product you can think of, they know that in order for you to 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 pay attention to it, we have to somehow uh, bring in a lady that is scantily dressed uh, so that we can sell a beautiful lady that is uh, um, that will attract people to the product. And you see that uh, it is also uh, because of this uh, consumer culture. And even uh, in millennials, they are said to be to have uh, some of them the, the most uh, the worst work ethic. They have the worst work ethic. Managers they are complaining that uh, this generation it's <laughs> it's difficult to manage. It's difficult to work work with because uh, even when we go to work, we we are not concerned with what value we are going to bring to the company that we are working for. We are concerned with 
How are they going to save my interest? Uh, we're concerned with ourselves. How is it going to... It's all about me, 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 me. Uh, it's all coming from that as well. And then... Um, yeah, our relationships, marriage. You have now the commodification of marriage. You have now... Um, we spoke about it uh, last week. Where people now, they, they no longer have this covenantal view of marriage. They now have a contractual view of marriage. Marriage is now a contract. It's a, the idea of a, a, for better or worse, it is far from us. It is now a contract. Um, I, was, I was laughing recently. There were some friends. There's a friend of mine that posted uh, in one of uh, the groups that I... It's called a, a peanut uh, contract. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. That uh, before, you get it get, before you even get married, you sign a contract. That uh, this is, These are the things that I have. These are the things that, that you have. If some of our contract ends, our contract of marriage ends, I'll retain my things and you retain my things. So people now have that contractual view of marriage. Mm -hmm. uh, they go into marriage thinking uh, it is supposed to save me. Um, it is all about me. Mm -hmm. If my if my partner doesn't eat his end of the bargain, <laughs> I'm heading out. <laughs> I'm leaving. Mm. And you see that even with the relationship, these are these dating sites, uh, Tinders, you know, uh, Christian Mingo. <laughs> uh, uh, people, they are, they are not advertising themselves as products. Uh, uh, this is my life. This is what, commodifying yourself. It's consumer culture, it's, it is prevalent. Um, the, uh, the last thing that I'm going to mention, uh, I think which is very important, also, it also uh, has to do with, uh, with regards to children. You have uh, young people getting married and you hear that a lot these days. Um, you hear that a lot these days. People get married and they wait five years, no children. <laughs> Preach it, five years, Preach it no now. children. Preach it now, raise the voice. <laughs> <laughs> Mm, young people they're getting married and they are no longer against uh, uh, the, uh, the idea of having children it is foreign to us or even if they have the children the idea that you have more than, uh, more than four children uh, you be the way that our society will look to I'm, you I'm tired uh, <laughs> so and and, and the underlying reason for that is it is very selfish. It is very selfish. Most of the times, uh, you hear people say that we cannot afford. And the reason why people say that is because we are so caught up in this uh, consumer culture, consumerism. We want to amass more things, more and more things for ourselves. We want uh, many houses. We want uh, many cars. We want the latest cars. We want the latest trains. We want the latest gadgets. And some of kids, if they come in, there will be an inconvenience to that. So consumer culture, it is a, it is a menace, friends. Then uh, probably the last thing, um, yeah, isolation. Uh, it is very isolating uh, because our, our society is fixated 
on things uh, rather than relationships. We are, uh, we are fixated on objects. We are tying our value and our identity to, to objects, to things, to gadgets, to cars, and not people. We have lost that social fiber. The idea of community is foreign to us. We live in the most uh, connected generation ever, but yet we are the most lonely. Mm. We are the generation that is the most... It is, it is, uh, make sure that we say that it is the most entertained generation ever. We have a lot of things, uh, a lot of tools, a lot of gadgets to entertain us, but yet we are the most bored generation ever. We use the language of intimacy. I'll follow you on Instagram. Uh, people are sending us like, they're sending us love uh, on our posts, on our statuses, but we lack intimacy. And... The church has to respond to those uh, challenges that are posed by consumerism. So I'm just going to uh, briefly outline how we are supposed to, to respond, how the church is supposed to respond to, respond to, to this, how, consumer, uh, how our Christians are supposed to respond to consumerism. Uh, Luke chapter number 6, verse uh, 17 to 26. Starts on verse uh, twenty. Luke six. Verse twenty. Twenty six. Looking at his disciples, he said, "Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you." When they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and live for joy because great, I, I want you to, to, to just note verse 23. I rejoice in that day and live for joy because great is your reward in heaven. For that is how their ancestors treated prophets. Uh, verse 24. But woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you go hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you mourn and weep. Woe, woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. The first time I read this, I was very confused. <laughs> God wants us to be poor. Does Jesus is, is he elevating poverty? But that is not what this uh, text is implying. It is not glorifying poverty. It is not glorifying hunger. Mm. But what is addressing? What it is addressing? In this, it is something that is a that is at the core of every human soul. You see, the four things that it mentions, uh, um, judgments upon. Uh, it first spoke about um, blessed are you who are poor. It, it then spoke about. Uh, Blessed are you who hunger now. Mm -hmm. And then he then spoke about uh, blessed are you who laugh now. 
And then he spoke, and then spoke about uh, blessed are you when people hate you. So the four things that you see from that is um, when he's talking about uh, uh, blessed are you who are, who are poor. And, and then uh, from verse 24 to 26, he, he's now pronouncing a judgment on those who are rich. He's pronouncing judgment on those who, who are well-fed now. He's pronouncing judgment on those who, um, who people uh, speak well of. And he's pronouncing judgment on those who laugh now. And you see, when he's talking about those who are rich, um, the four things that you see in these, uh, in, these, in these texts is when he's talking about riches, he's talking about uh, safety. He's talking about security. And the second thing is uh, when he speaks about uh, hunger, those who are fed now, he's talking about uh, purpose, um, the void that is in, in our soul, emptiness. And when he's speaking about uh, laughter, he's talking about happiness or joy. And when he's talking about uh, blessed when, uh, when people uh, do not speak well of you, he's talking about approval. Those are the four uh, uh, needs that are at the core of every human soul. And what uh, Jesus is pronouncing judgment upon, it is the idea of when people, when he says that blessed are those to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. What he's talking about there is, is pronouncing a judgment on people who find their safety in riches, who find their security in riches. When he says that, uh, uh, woe to you who are fed now, for you go hungry, he's pronouncing a judgment on people who find their purpose, who feel the emptiness that is in their soul <clears throat> by this world, by food, by material things, and not in Christ. And we, when, he's, when he speaks about those, uh, woe to you who laugh now, he's, he's, speaking, he's pronouncing a judgment against the people who find happiness in this world, who find happiness anywhere outside of Christ. We anchor their happiness anyway outside of Christ. And when he speaks about um, um, woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, he's pronouncing judgment on people who, who try to validate their approval, validate themselves by the way people see themselves, who try to find their approval and identity in their things, in their material possessions. So consumerism, it lies that people find security in material things. It lies that people find happiness in material things. It lies that people find approval. People respect you if you have uh, the biggest car, the biggest house. It lies that people who find approval in those things. It lies that people find um, purpose in material things. And we need to be warned as Christians that God's judgment is upon those people. It is upon those people. We, we, we mustn't find our happiness, our security, our comfort. We mustn't find our approval in material things. Only Christ can fill that void that is in our soul. Then I shall also read um, Matthew uh, chapter number 18, verse 44. How do we respond to this uh, threat of consumerism, consumer culture? Matthew 
the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man, when a man found it, he hid it again. Then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field, recovering the joy of salvation, that internal joy that comes from knowing that uh, you have been saved. That is, uh, that is how we get rid of materialism. You see how when this man, when he found this treasure, when he found the, 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 his joy of salvation, everything that he, um, Apostle Paul says that everything that I count, once counted as gain, I now count as rubbish for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. We need to reclaim that. We need to re uh, proclaim that once again, that Christ is, 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 is far much more worthy than all these material things, everything that the world will ever promise you. And I want us to look at Hebrews 11, verse 25 to 26 as well. Hebrews 11, 25 to 26. Uh, let me start from verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be ill-treated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasure of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. We need to recover internalism. We live in a generation where most of us, heaven is it's not a reality. It's not a reality. Um, hell is a, somehow we think it's, it's symbolic. But here is how Moses uh, was able to resist the fleeting pleasures of sin and chose to suffer with the people of God, he looked to his reward, he looked to his internal reward. In First uh, Corinthians uh, 15, when Apostle Paul was making his, um, when he was making his, his argument for the resurrection, First Corinthians 15 uh, is verse 19, it says that uh, if only in this life we have hope in Christ. We are of all people most to be pitied. Mm -hmm. We are of all men miserable. Mm -hmm. And you see how even um, uh, is it uh, First Timothy 6 when he's speaking about uh, the love of man is the root of all evil. Um, he goes on to say that uh, um, um, naked we came into this world. Without nothing we came into this world. And we leave this world without anything. And he, he was appealing to internalism that there is a life beyond this. And, and we need to reclaim that. We live, um, when you preach about heaven in, in our culture that is so fixated on, on the now, on material things, uh, people will label you as. Uh, uh, I remember when I was in the uh, prosperity churches, 
people would say that um, there was this statement that um, you are you are too uh, heavily minded and utterly useless. And you hear that a lot in our in our culture. That is coming from consumerism. Christians ought to be heavenly minded. A heavenly minded Christian cannot be earthly useless. That is a lie that uh, this consumer culture is 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 lying, is perpetrating uh, uh, to us. We need to recover that. And you see how uh, is it uh, this this thirty three to thirty four. Sorry. Yeah, verse 32. First uh, Corinthians 16, verse 32. I, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained if the dead are not raised? Let us drink. Let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. If there is no resurrection, here is what Apostle Paul is saying. If there is no resurrection of the dead, if there is no internal life to be end, if there is no life beyond this natural material world that we are seeing, then the consumeristic uh, way of living, eat and drink, that is what we should do. But there is a resurrection. Because Jesus rose from the dead and we are also going to be uh, even though we are going, even though we die, we are going to be raised from the dead. And because they, we believe that there is eternal life, we need to uh, reject this uh, materialism, this consumer culture. So we need to recover internalism. Uh, people need to know that um, you, uh, when Jesus was saying, uh, is it uh, Matthew 6, uh, do not lay for yourself treasures on earth, but lay yourself uh, treasures in heaven where no, where no moth or rust can destroy it. We need to recover that. That is how we respond to the threats that are being um, thrown out because of uh, consumerism. But it's said that we have lost the idea of internalism in our culture. It is, it is because of this postmodern way of thinking. So... We need to be reminded that uh, even we, when we are walking in this age, even as the Old uh, Testament says, the heroes of faith mentioned in, 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 in Hebrews 11, they looked for a city. They, 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 they realized that they were sojourners on this earth. This world was not their home. They looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. And we should have that same attitude. We should not have attachment to this world because we know that this world is not our home. We are just passing by. We are pilgrims. We are on a pilgrim's journey. We are looking for a city, city whose builder and, make, and maker is home. There is an internal reward beyond this life. We need to recover that. That is how we lose our souls from materialism. That is how we break our souls free from consumerism. Uh, thank you, guys. Um, I don't know if there are any questions or additions.